while 2014 lies ahead of us. I'm excited by it when I just see what's happened this morning already with the interaction and with various people just stepping forward. I say, Lord, do your work among us. It's going to be exciting. If we allow the Spirit to work His work among us, then He'll use us. Let's just come in prayer before the Lord as we look for His strength, as we look for His guidance, as we open His inspired Word to us. Let's pray. Yes, Lord, we stand at the start of this year that You've given to us. And Lord, we don't know how many days You've given to us. But we do know You've given us today. And in Your mercy, You might give us tomorrow. And You might give us the rest of this week. But Lord, we pray that we would live lives, whether it's a day or a week or a year, lives that glorify you. May we have a living relationship with you, our Lord, a daily, day-by-day relationship. May we not draw away from you, but may you hold us close, we pray. And Lord, we pray for this church too, that as, as we as a church love each other, And that as we as a church love those outside of this church, as we interact with them daily, whether it's at school or at work or at home, Lord, may Jesus Christ be proclaimed. That is the prayer of our hearts. And Lord, when we can't do that anymore, then you will take away this candle and there will be no more light from this little church and it will die. But Lord, we know that we stand strong in you if we are obedient to you. So give us obedient hearts now, we pray. And as we open your inspired word to us, Lord, may your Holy Spirit plant your seed inside of us and may you bring about fruit in us, which in turn gets more and more as your Spirit makes use of it. Lord, change us, we pray, so that again you would be glorified. Amen. I'd ask you to turn with me again to the book of Psalms. Um, during the holiday break, we are not um, studying the book of Luke, but we are going through a few of the Psalms, and I've really found them really uplifting to my heart. I've really found them to be an inspiration as we just interact with the psalmist, whether it's David or other psalmists, and we just see their hearts and what God does in and through these people. And so this morning we come to a psalm of David, a psalm that he penned when he was on the run, when his life was under threat, when someone wanted to kill him. And he pens the psalm in the wilderness of Judah. Psalm 62. It's a beautiful psalm. Oh, sorry, 63. Psalm 63. And this is what he says. Oh God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and a weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth 
will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. As we looked at Psalm 130 last week, the main lesson that came out there for us as we look at this new year ahead of us was confess your sin daily to the Lord. Have that close daily relationship with the Lord. And this week there's a lesson number two for us as we look at Psalm 63 and it's this. Is God number one in your life as you face a new year? Is He number one in your life? You know, the Bible speaks about three different types of people. And there are three different types of people in this auditorium here this morning. There are those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ yet. And there is no way that you can get to God unless you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And unless you bow the knee to Him and say, Lord, I cannot make it through this life and face an eternity without you. Please forgive me my sin. Take it away from me. Make me new again so that I can face this year in you, Lord Jesus Christ. So those who don't know the Lord. The second type of person is the person who has confessed the Lord Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Saviour, but their life doesn't show it. They live a life which is far removed from the Lord. And they might go through the motions of going through church, they might go through the motions of telling everyone that they're a believer, but their life doesn't show it. When no one else is around, you won't see them worshipping the Lord. They'll be doing other things. But God is not in their life. And then the third type of person who will be in this auditorium this morning is the one who loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's alive in you and His Spirit is at work in you. And yes, you sin. And yes, you fall on your face many a time. But God is at work. And you see the progress in your life when you look back. Which one of the three types are you? You must be one of those three. There is no other type. This psalm is going to challenge you, if you're a believer, to stay close to the Lord. And if you're not a believer, it's going to challenge you this morning. Come to know this God who we are speaking about. Because He can be your Savior too. You see, here was David and he was out in the wilderness of Judah. And if you want to read a little bit more of that, you can go and look at Second Psalm, chapters 15 to 19. His son Absalom, his own flesh and blood, was chasing David around the country, wanting to kill him because Absalom wanted to be king. And so David has to flee his throne. He has to get out of his kingdom and he has to go into the wilderness, away from um, the ark of the Lord. He's even prepared to leave the ark behind. Because he is confident in his God. And he leaves these things that, are, that he's so used to every day. His daily securities is out there in the desert fighting to keep alive. 
And still, he loves the Lord. If you look at the first four verses, we're going to look at it under the title, God, My Desire. And let's see this desire in King David. He comes with simplicity and boldness. And he makes this very simple and bold statement. He says, Oh God, you are my God. He's owning God if he can own. You know what he's doing? He's saying, Lord, you are out there, you are God, but you are my God. I belong to you. And I'm stating that. And yes, I'm on the run and my life is under threat, but you are my God. And it's the key to everything that follows. This bold, unswerving stand. And his circumstances might have been difficult. His circumstances might have been unknown. He didn't know if he was going to live longer than that day. But even in his desolate times, when his circumstances would suggest to him that God has forsaken him, he's been forced off his throne, running for his life, in the wilderness conditions, he says, God, you are my God, despite my conditions. Why is that so important? You see, we tend to do the same. As soon as our circumstances go downhill, as soon as the proverbial pawpaw hits the fan, to use a good African expression, then we say, where's God? Why has God forsaken me? But you see, David is giving us an antidote here. He's saying, doesn't matter what your circumstances are, God hasn't changed. Oh God, you are my God. It's us who have to stand strong in the Lord. My God, the mighty one, is what that means. Do you ever speak boldly like that in front of your friends? Do they know that God is your God? Have you ever even said to your family, your friends, God is my God? You see, the the statement is not based on circumstances. This statement of his is based on a relationship David has with God. And what can circumstances do to change that relationship? Because it's an internal relationship with a God. What can outside circumstances do? This is not just a label. If David was in the New Testament, he'd be called Christian, right? Well, this is not just a label of Christian that he hangs around his neck. No, the longings that he's experiencing through the psalm is not those of a stranger feeling his way to God, but it is of a close friend, even a lover, wanting to be with his God. He wants to be in touch with his God. Now, I'm sure you've experienced this if you've been away from your loved ones for an extended period of time. There comes that day when you really ache for them. It's a physical thing. It's here in the chest. Maybe it's just me. Because you look. It's here. We miss them. And that's what David's saying. Lord, I'm here in the wilderness. I want to be with you, my God. It's a physical and a um, spiritual ache for the Lord. His love for God and these longings that have been awakened, awakened in him cause him to, as he says in that verse, early seek for God. And your Bible might say earnestly seek for God. Same thing. He gets up early in the morning, right from the start of his day, and he earnestly seeks for God. His one goal is to find this God and that relationship with his Lord. He earnestly seeks for 
And seeks for is a diligence there. There's an urgency in this looking for the Lord. There's only one goal in mind. And it's such that he thirsts for communion with his God. And yes, he's in a wilderness. And yes, there is no water. And David would have understood what it was to thirst for physical water. But now his soul thirsts for this communion with his God. Even while on the run. He insatiably craves for his Lord. Is what that translation is. He wants closeness with his God. He's deeply unsatisfied. He's restless without the presence of his God with him. Tell me, you as a believer this morning, are you satisfied with any less? Do you have an unsatiable thirst for the Lord? You see, we spend so much time finding satisfaction in other things. I know my own life. Those earthly loves which rise up. We don't search after, we don't thirst after this lasting love of God. The one that will stretch for all eternity. We go after the short term love. You want proof of that in your life? I'll give you proof. This is the 5th of January. What has changed in your life spiritually? What spiritual steps have you put in place so that you would have a closer relationship with Lord, with the Lord? Any? It's five days into the year. And you know, if nothing happens, you will just have another plotty year without the Lord. You need to take steps if you want God to be close in your life. You need to have that first for the Lord. David is wanting an intimacy with his Lord again. The same as we looked at last week, Psalm 130 verse 6. My soul waits on the Lord. I can't wait to have that interaction with my God. What does he base it on? Verse 2 will tell you that. You see, he had worshipped God in happier days at Zion. That's where the ark was kept. And somehow he had seen the power of the Lord at work. And so he bases what he's saying now on the past experience of what the way he's seen God working. And he now commands his lips to praise God. When his circumstances have changed, it's all hard. He's not seeing God at work. He now commands his lips to praise the Lord. You know, we have to do the same sometimes. Our circumstances change. And when you look around at your circumstances, it's really hard to see the Lord in that. And that's when we have to Go back to when, in our minds, to when God has been faithful to us in the past and we command our lips to praise Him. My lips, my heart is feeling down, but you praise the Lord. And then God will again strengthen my heart through that. We need to tell our souls to praise the Lord. We need to do that. There's an old hymn written, Tell my soul the greatness of the Lord. You see, the soul isn't seeing it. I've got to tell my soul that the Lord is great because my circumstances don't show it. And I've got to think back on God's greatness and that relationship I experienced with God in better times. And when my current circumstances dictate otherwise, I need to be strengthened and I need to praise God during these adverse circumstances based not just on my past experience, are you listening, but also on God's faithfulness and also on God's changeless character. 
Why would he change now? Just because my circumstances have changed. I need to praise him for who he is. You know, an inspirational character in my life has been Corrie ten Boom, and I've often quoted Corrie ten Boom. That old lady, she's a famous dead girl. She was, she was one who served the Lord. They hid Jews during the war, and then they got caught by the Nazis and sent off to concentration camp. And she lost her family. The only one that was with her was her sister. And they, together these two ladies went into concentration camp. And they were both beaten. They were both tortured by these guards. And her sister in the end fell very sick and she died. But Corrie remained faithful to the Lord. Why? Because she remembered the times of blessed prayer, she says in her book. The blessed prayer and devotions with her family which God turned into spontaneous praise. She remembered God's faithfulness. And why would he be faithful now? And so there in the middle of the prison camp, she praised the Lord. And the guards noticed it. And the guards beat her harder because they thought she was just being hardline. But she carried on praising the Lord. And at last, one guard said to her, How can you do this? We are beating you and you are loving us. How can you do that? And she said, It's I can't. God does it through me. It's Jesus who loves you, and so I will sing about him. What an amazing testimony. God does not change. Our circumstances might. And so David comes to this resolution in verse 4. I will bless you as long as I live. Now he didn't know how long he was going to live. Absalom could find him the next day. But he says, Lord, I will bless you as long as I live. And it may only be till tomorrow. But until tomorrow then, Lord, I will bless you. Do you have that attitude in life? And he carries on, I will lift up my hands in worship in your name. You know, us in the Western world, we sing like this. Praise the name of Jesus. We should be praising the name of Jesus. And I'm no extrovert. I know it might look like it. I am no extrovert when it comes to praising the Lord. I also like to praise the Lord like this. But we need to praise the Lord. We, it needs to come from inside of us and burst out of us. That should be what this praise for God should be. You see, it's a devotion which is from our hearts and expressed in an outward praise to the Lord. So how can we sing like this when God is doing so much in our lives? We need to praise the Lord. And when you stand here and you look back that way sometimes, we need to have expression on our faces when we're singing these beautiful songs that have been written about this God that we say we love. We need to praise from our hearts. Will God be your desire this year? That heart desire? Or will you have love for another God in your life? What will you do with this year, 2014, Will that desire for your Lord bubble out this year into expressions of praise? And yes, other people might think you're mad, but will you praise God despite what other people think? 2014. Secondly, verses 5 to 8, God is my delight. Now, I want to just come at this as a different tangent a bit this morning. Many people are scared of being alone, right? You might be one of those. You can't bear being alone. You've always got to be busy and interacting with other people. Whether that's 
in reality going to see people or whether that's just like this, alright, on that phone of yours, Facebook and all the others. You've got to always be interacting. You cannot stand being on your own. We'll call you the social junkies just for this morning. So you're a social junkie, right? You got the label? Here we go. You see, David couldn't wait for solitude. And yet he had an army chasing him and he had about 300 men with him as well in the desert. But he couldn't wait to be on his own when there was no one with him, when he was lying on his bed, not in his palace this time, but in his cave in the wilderness. Because then he would have the time to meditate on God, verse 6, in the watches of the night. Literally in those, the slow progress of the night. And if any of you have ever stood guard duty, you will know what that means. The, the minutes seem to be hours. They never end. The slow watches of the night. But David, he can't help it. He wants to be alone. He can't wait to have time in solitude because he wants to have this interaction with his God without anyone else disturbing. And why does he look forward to the solitude? Because he says that's when he feasts on the presence of the Lord. That's when he eats this fat and rich soul food. And no teenagers, it's not midnight feast. Because I know what you were thinking. It's not midnight feast at all. Put aside the food. This is eternal soul food. How much time do you spend with the Lord every day? Five minutes? Ten, if the Lord's lucky? Do you want to have time of solitude to spend with the Lord? You see, as David thinks about what God has done for him as he lies there on his bed, whether it's early morning or in the night, he is experiencing a soul food dinner. His soul is feasting on thoughts of who God is and how God has been his help in the past and how God will be his help now, even on the run. And as he thinks about God, as he thinks about the steadfast love of God, the power of God, God's glory, and as he experiences this protection and the security in the shadow of his wings, as he says there in, verse, in that verse, it results in an inner joy, again, which bursts out into joyful, exuberant singing. And the literal translation here is singing which wakes echoes. So I don't know what those soldiers thought early hours of the morning or late at night, suddenly as they hear the king bursting out into song, praising the Lord. They must have got quite used to that actually. Must have sounded quite nice out there in the middle of the desert. But there was David experiencing God. And his soul does not want to let go of God. This verse says, Lord, I cling to you, O God. And the literal translation of that is, I follow hard after you. In other words, I'm glued to you, Lord. It's the same word used as is supposed to happen in marriage where the husband and wife cling to each other. David clings to the Lord. But is that ever going to be enough to keep him close to the Lord? How about your spiritual life? See, it's never enough. We need the next bit. We need the next bit. We need to not just cling to the Lord, but when our fingers can't hold on anymore because of circumstances and they let go, God and His strong right hand comes and He enfolds us. And His strength is there to hold us close to Him. You see, we can't do it. We need God's right hand, His powerful right hand to uphold us because our strength 
will run out. That God has an endless supply. I love that divine-human interaction. We have the same, uh, the same in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. Listen to this, the Apostle Paul speaking. Listen for the human side and then God's side. Philippians 3, 13 to 14. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal. In other words, I follow hard after. Same phrase. Says Paul. But it doesn't end there. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We might strive hard, but in the end, God is the one who is faithful. He is the one who will bring us through. Not our efforts, but God's. But there is that interaction. We are called to be faithful to the Lord. And so you need to remember this psalm. Mark it in your Bible, Psalm 63, because you're going to need it in this year. You're going to need it. Because you don't know what you're going to turn to when the chips are down, to use a non-biblical phrase. When circumstances turn against you this year, what are you going to turn to? Who are you going to turn to? Are you going to turn to retail therapy? Many do. Are you going to turn to social media and find your comfort there? Are you going to turn to the the comfort of excess alcohol? Are you going to turn to the next big adrenaline thrill to try and find some comfort? You see, those are all just physical sticking plasters for a soul need. There's a need here and we stick on these things on the outside. And so that's the first thing. Who are you going to turn to? The second thing is you need to disconnect to reconnect. Are you listening, you digital age? You need to disconnect to reconnect. What do I mean by that? Some of the older people are going, pardon? Actually, some of them are on Facebook, 85-year-olds. Maybe it's time just to take an electronic or a social media or a societal holiday to give your soul some time to be quiet and to meditate on God and His attributes. You see, this art of meditation, and I'm not talking all this airy-fairy stuff, I'm talking about thinking on God and His attributes. It's dying out. Why? Because we are so busy. We can't get away from these things. We need to put these things aside for a while and think about God. Meditate on God. Give our souls soul food. They're getting electronic stuff, but no soul food. It's one of the biggest dangers we have. And no, I'm not asking you to be a hermit. I'm not asking you to go and stay in some cave somewhere and have an electronic blanket chucked out there so that you can't receive any calls. No. We need to take a break at times. And if you need to, schedule time for yourself. We were spending some time with friends yesterday and the, the woman um, from, that was visiting us, she had left her cell phone deliberately at home. She said, I'm always on that thing. I want to take a break. Well, we need to do that. But not just to get a break, to spend time with the Lord. We need to deliberately disconnect to reconnect with God. In other words, to use Bible speak, we need to delight in Him. Delight in the Lord. And then thirdly, God is my defense, verses 9 to 11. You see, only when David has gone through this whole experience of describing his love for the Lord, and more so, the Lord's love for him, does he only start thinking about his enemies again. 
And they're actually his biggest threat in the desert. They're a real threat. They're an ever-present threat. But his faith now is real. His faith is now as solid as his God. It's not just a make-believe idea anymore. Because David knows that God is a just God. David knows that God has rightfully made him king. And if God wants him to be king, God will keep him as king. It doesn't matter what evil men bring up against him. It doesn't matter what evil men's schemes are. Their actions will fail, verse 9. Their actions will fail. Those who want to destroy David, God's king, will instead die, he says. They will go into the earth, verse 10. Their bodies will be scavenged by desert jackals, the lowest on the desert picking order. They won't even have the decency of a decent burial. They will rot into the ground, says David. Why? Why does he put it in such graphic language? Because God will not allow evil to overcome good. God will not allow it. Good will conquer evil. And yes, David might be temporarily off his throne, and yes, his people might be in the confusion of civil war, but David is still God's anointed king. God will put him back on the throne, and God will bring down his enemies. And then says the king, Follow me, says King David, all those who swear by God, in other words, all those who give full allegiance to God, they will exult in Him. They too will find their joy in Him and express it openly. And Absalom's evil advisors, if you go and read Scripture, what will happen to them? They will be silenced by God. You see, even from the conflict of civil war, Israel could also experience God's steadfast love as the king is calling them to. Good will conquer evil, says David. Now follow me and let's praise the Lord. And so we get to 2014 and you ask yourself, well, okay, that's great, Calvin. How does that apply now? How does that apply to me? Firstly, I want to put this to you. As you face this new year, make God your desire. Make him your first love again. Because if you look closely in your life, you'll see something else is crept in there as the first one in your heart. Who is number one in your life this year? You need to stand on that and say, Oh God, you are my God. And here I stand. You need to have a heart love and put your focus back on the Lord. And then seek Him. Seek the Lord. Don't be satisfied with anything less this year. Because your default setting will be just to be satisfied with anything that comes your way. No, don't be satisfied with anything less than a living relationship with your God. Matthew 6.33 Make this your goal. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. Alright, you got that first goal for this year? Seek the Lord first. Make Him number one again. And do it deliberately. It's not going to happen by accident. Secondly, Experience God as your delight. In other words, feed your soul. Make sure that you spend more than your five minutes, your ten minutes, your fifteen minutes with the Lord this year. Deliberately set time aside for your soul to have some soul food. Switch off that electronic little God you have. And you will see that you will have inner joy. And that inner joy will bubble out of you and it will give testimony of a God is alive and others around you will see that Jesus Christ lives 
and then cling to Him and His almighty right hand will uphold you. Experience God as your delight. And thirdly and lastly, God will be your defense this year. 2014, He has promised that He is the mighty one. And has He changed? Did God change from 2013 to 2014? No, He's still the same. He's everlastingly the same. He is the mighty one. And He will overcome evil. And you can look at the news and you can see all kinds of things there. And it might look that evil is growing in the world. But in the end, God will overcome evil. When Jesus Christ returns again and every eye will see Him returning, then good will overcome evil forever. And we will be with Him. You are my God. Make that your statement this year. And God will defend you. Come what may. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the example of King David. And thank you that here we find him running away and fleeing for his life and in weakness. And yet we see the strength as you empower him again spiritually, as he spends time with you, as his soul bubbles out in praise of his God, doesn't change. Lord, thank you for his example. But Lord, help us now, as we face an unknown year, help us to cling to you and help us to trust you to know that when we cannot anymore, then you will hold us with your mighty right hand. You have promised you will. And you are the one who will carry it through. Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to have you as our first love again. To push away those other gods from our lives. And to deliberately make you king of our lives this year. Lord, we will see amazing things that you will do through us. And it will only be you if we are faithful. Keep us faithful as individuals and as a church we pray so that the light may shine brightly from this little church in this little corner of New Zealand. Wanganui is that. Keep us faithful, we pray. Amen.